0: We love games. We buy season tickets to attend games. We build game rooms in our homes to play games. We install Jumbotron televisions to watch games. We construct multi-million dollar arenas and stadiums to play games. We we've even created a, a language for games. We we say things like no pain. no pain, no pain. We say things like in it to. It's not whether you win or, but how you play the game. Got a language for it, right? And then playing games doesn't stop here, right? People will play the image game or the popularity game or the I look better than I really am (laughs) game. How you doing? Good. I'm great. Fine. You're probably not so fine. Fine. And then I've discovered that people play the manipulation game. Say manipulation. It just sounds evil, doesn't it? Manipulation. Manipulation means to control by shrewd use of influence in an unfair and often a deceitful or deceptive way. Manipulation is any attempt to sway someone's emotions to get them to act or feel a certain way. Manipulation is not just something we learn to do, but it's something we have to learn not to do. Manipulation happens every day on our jobs, in our schools, in our government. It even happens in your home. And it happens with the smallest of children. Take a look at this. My grandson, No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't either. I mean, you knew where this was going the moment you saw it, right? Manipulation has been around since the beginning of time, and we first see it in the Bible when Eve was controlled by Satan sorry, confronted by Satan, and he came in the form of a snake. In the Garden of Eden. Now, she should have known something was up when a snake started talking to her. Let's read it Genesis chapter one, uh, chapter three, verse one. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say that? I wonder how many times that thought has crossed your mind that the devil has made us question does God really mean what he says did God really say that you must not eat of the tree that you must not eat from any tree in the garden and the woman said to the serpent well we can eat of the trees in the garden but God said there's one tree we can't eat of it's in the middle of the garden and you shouldn't touch it If you touch it, you're gonna die. You won't surely die, the devil said. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes are gonna gonna be open and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. When the woman saw the the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, well, that's a different spin on what The devil said, he said, you'll know like God. And she thought that makes, that'll make me wise. If I, I'll know things that I didn't think I, I'll know things I didn't know I could. So she took and she ate and she also gave to her husband. Thank you. Who was with her and he ate it. My father's day is coming up in a couple of weeks, men and I just wonder why he didn't stand up and ask something or say something. When a snake's talking to your wife, where the heck was he at? According to this verse, he was standing right there, just letting the snake manipulate his wife right in front of him. He should have slapped somebody. So the one time that I can give you the excuse not to turn the other cheek is when somebody's messing with your wife. Just lay them out. It's a whole lot better to ask for forgiveness than permission sometimes. Now we're gonna re- erase that from the tape, so the, from the <laughs> digital, so, but, but where was he at? Where was the man at? Well, he was right there, but as soon as she ate of it, the eyes of both of them, she ate, she gave to him, the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked and they started trying to cover themselves. The snake manipulated Eve by twisting the word of God. He said, you'll not die, but you'll become like God, knowing good from evil. And and that's partially true, because before eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Eve only knew good. She didn't know wrong or sin or disobedience. Now, because she disobeyed and she partook of the fruit, she would know good and evil she actually became to what we are all experiencing now, and that's the dark side of life. And as a result, manipulation became part of our sin nature. I mean, you don't have to teach a child to manipulate. We have to learn not to manipulate. There's a second passage in in 1 Kings 21, and uh, it's one of the least attractive and most evil couples written about in the Bible. It's King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel often resorted to manipulation to get what they wanted. And there's a really vivid story in 1 Kings 21 it says there was an incident of all, involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth the Jezreelite. The vineyard was close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, Let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden since it's close to my palace. In exchange, I'll give you a better vineyard. Or if you prefer, I'll pay whatever it's worth. But Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. So Ahab went home sullen and angry because Naboth had said, I'll not give you the inheritance of my fathers. So Ahab laid on his bed sulking and refused to eat. Sounds like a four-year-old. His wife Jezebel came in and asked him, why aren't you selling? Why won't you eat? And he said, well, because I asked Naboth to sell me his vineyard. He, I thought I might give him one better, but he said no. I mean, how else would you read that? He said no. And his sweet, darling, loving, caring wife Jezebel said, is this is how? You act as the king of Israel, get up and eat. Cheer up, buddy. Put your pants on, put your shoes on, comb your hair. I'll get you the vineyard. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and placed his seal upon them and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city with him. In those letters, she wrote this. Proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people but seat two scoundrels on either side of him and have them testify that he has cursed both God and king. Lie on him, make it up, and then take him out and stone him to death. So they did as Jezebel directed in her letters. Verse 15, as soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, hey, get up and go take your vineyard. Naboth's dead. The guy, he refused to, refused to sell it to you, he's dead. It's yours. You can go have it now. Go get it. So I want to talk about manipulators for a minute. It won't be long, but because it don't take long to share all this. <laughs> kind, of, kind of easy to talk about and get it over with. Manipulators have common tricks that they'll use to make you feel irrational and more likely to give in to their requests. They have a way of manipulating you. So so here's some thoughts. I hope you got to write some of this down. Number one, people who manipulate set out to selfishly build their own kingdoms. It's really, really all about them and what they want and what satisfy them. But it won't always appear selfish. Don't miss this. It can be cloaked in a form of kindness or caring. They'll say things like, I'm just reaching out to you. But they have an agenda. It's really pride and arrogance and selfishness in them. They are setting out to build their own kingdom. Secondly, people who manipulate use people in order to get what they want. You see, manipulative behavior includes actions a person uses to gain influence or control over someone else. And these behaviors kind of subtly can can be like like lying and denying or or a passive aggressive behavior. And, and, And when pressed, they act as if Anyone is expendable. Remember this always love people and use things, and never love things and use people. Here's the third thing people who manipulate, sulk, and get angry when they don't get their way. That's what Ahab did, right? He went and laid on his bed, refusing to eat. And the next time you start sulking over something, remember what other people are thinking. That's a manipulator. I knew it'd be quiet today, so I prepared for it, okay? It's all right. <laughs> because it's, what do you say? Like, hey man, hallelujah. That blesses me, pastor. I'm like, no, just listen. People who manipulate, this is, a, this is really strong, People who manipulate abuse the authority they have been given. Authority is meant for positive influence, not destructive manipulation. I have given people authority and they misused it. As a leader, I have given people authority. I've checked myself oftentimes, like God never let me use the authority or the power as a pastor Even a preacher of your word never let me in any way cross the line beyond positive influence into manipulation. But I've had people do that. I've had people I've given authority do that. So use the authority you've been given wisely to make a positive difference, not for a personal benefit or selfish gain. I found that manipulative people are prideful. Uh, the undertone is really arrogance. It, it is conceit dressed in self righteousness. they will appear like, and they're sh- like they're like they're all that. But there's something beneath. There's there's pride. There's there's a sense of it's about them. As I've said, it's and, but yet it comes off as like what. Here's another one. Manipulative people are insecure. They're insecure. They manipulate to compensate for their insecurities and a lack of of leadership and self-confidence. Did you know the first person you have to learn to lead is yourself? You say, well, I'm not a leader. Oh, yes, you are. Everybody's a leader. Everybody under the sound of my voice, you're a leader of self. In fact, you're a leader of self before you lead anything or anybody else. And one of the big flags that someone's being manipulative is to notice their insecurities. Now, I'm just, there's, here's another emotion. Manipulative people are often moody. Like which side of the bed did you get up on today? You ever been around people like that? You showed up at work and you walk in on like, hi. And you're kind of waiting on a response so you know how to position yourself the rest of the day. they're moody. Manipulative people are very selfish because it's really all about their needs and their wants. But I gotta tell you that most manipulative people, you won't see the selfishness up front. Now, I said this a bit while ago, but I'm gonna come back to it again. It's cloaked. It's sort of under something else. There's an agenda. They do, they do what they do, but then underneath, there's something that's personal for them that they need and they want, and they'll do whatever they have to do to get that stroke. We got a little dog. He's, she's four and a half pounds. She's a Yorkie, and she ain't worth a dime. And she will come over, and she sleeps in the middle of the bed, it's sick, sleeps in the middle of our bed, not her bed, our bed. And, and she'll come over, you're laying there and your hand's out from under the cover and she just gets right up against your hand and it rolls over on her back, rubbing around. Like, she, like I'll pet myself with your hand if you won't pet me. <laughs> Manipulating thing. <laughs> Another thing is manipulative Manipulative people are cynical. Uh, What I found is that manipulative people are very distrustful and believe most people are driven by self-interest. And when we become cynical, then manipulation will surface as a means of protection from hurt or disappointment. Manipulators know how to Play the victim. Man, this is huge. Um, like you say something and they're like, I, I, can't, I can't believe you would think that. I, I can't. And it's like on their face. It's like shock like, that you would even imagine that I would feel that way. And you're like, it, you're just proving the point. I'm not responsible. It's everybody else's fault. I, I'm the way that I am because, and they have some reason. Here's another one, manipulators know how to play the martyr. Everybody say martyr. So so you know what a martyr is, right? Someone who who feels like they lay down their life or something. And so they'll lay down their life for you, you think, but it's really laying down their life for themselves. I'm suffering here alone by myself. Feel sorry for me. I was so mistreated. Here's another one. Manipulators know how to play stupid. I, I liked writing that one down. <laughs> they just know how to play stupid. Like, like I was saying a moment like ago, what, really? How could you think that I, man, I'm, I'm, I'm all that in a bag of chips, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, man, I'm this, and how could you think that? They know how to play stupid. Manipulators know how to fabricate and embellish the facts. <laughs> Gosh, you you could think of someone, don't elbow, raise your hand or look anywhere, but you can think of someone, I'm sure in your life right now, that are experts in the drama department and everything is bigger than it really is. And you know, on one hand, I like people like that. That's where movies come from and that's where songs come from. You got to have creative people, but sometimes, you know, you're like, let's come back to reality. Reality. But we got, God created people, but don't manipulate with it. Man, this car only has 300,000 miles on it. It's good to go another 200,000. That's probably called manipulation right there. Probably called. (laughs) And manipulators also know how to use guilt. But look what I did for you. And look what I gave up for you. You owe me. I'm not even going to look. I'm just going to stay right here. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? Okay. I'm almost done. Honestly. I'm not manipulating you. I'm almost done. Manipulators know how to act or play sorry for wrong behaviors. Again, drama. If I say I'm sorry, then we can get on with it and I don't have to deal with my actions. No, you're gonna have to answer for that. And when you put a manipulator's feet to the fire, all hell breaks loose. They, they don't like it. They said that, that whole shock and awe, and they love me, I can't believe you think I'd do that. No, I'm, you're proving it right now. That you don't know how to submit to anybody or anything. And you just want everybody to do what you want them to do. Because you have a need. You have an, in, you have an insatiable need that, that you need to be healed from. so Because they could be a good person. And a lot of times good people can get jacked up with wrong attitudes. So that's enough on the negative side of all that. Let me end and talk a few minutes about the thin line between influence and manipulation, okay? We do wanna have positive influence on the people around us without being manipulative. Now, without going into a lot of detail, details, the, the Enneagram is the Christian horoscope, somebody said, I think that's kinda of funny. anyway. The Enneagram is, is nine things, you know, and you're one of them. And uh, my Enneagram, every Enneagram has its strengths and who you are, but, but then they also have a sin, they have a weakness, uh, they have a tendency. And the tendency of, does anybody know what the Enneagram is? Raise your hand. Okay, i put your hand up. If you've never heard of the Enneagram, just raise your hand so I'll know who I'm talking to my audience. Some of you don't know if you've heard of it or not. You're sitting there like, I don't know. Are you manipulating me to raise my hand and say yes or no? I'm not manipulating you. I'm just trying to ask. I'm just trying to see my audience. Well, the Enneagram is like uh, your characteristics, your nature. You can't answer wrong questions. When you take a test or a profile, like the disc profile, things like that, you answer questions, and it just defines who you are. It's how God made you, right? So, everybody is something. And uh, it's not an excuse for wrong behavior, but it kind of identifies your strengths and your tendencies and how you think, how you process things. Everybody processes different. You've heard this, for example, some people see the glass half full, some people see the glass half empty. It's still the same thing, but they see it differently and they'll always see it differently because that's how they're wired, right? So, so that's the point I'm making. So in the Enneagram, I'm, I'm a number two, which is the helper. And the helper, it's really you know. Most people like to be around a helper because I'm planning things, I'm looking out for things, I'm thinking ahead, I'm like I'm checking on people. I I mean, like you want to travel with me because we're going to get the best seats, and we're not going we're we're going things are going to work out. I'm going to make sure it's good, and I'm looking out for people. I got my pistol on my hip, and I ain't letting nobody jack with anybody. You're going to be the helper, like the helper is helping. But but the downside of the helper is I've already thought about what you need. And so I start telling you, this is what we need to do. This is what you should do. And that can come off as a form of, come on, say the word. It's my sermon. A form of manipulation. Man, when I learned that, I was like, dang it. That makes me sick. I'm not a manipulator. But oh, am I? Could I be a manipulator? So it made me think even though it's a good trait to be with a helper, somebody who's looking out for you, I don't wanna use my tendencies to manipulate people. Does that make sense? So I'm talking about this because I deal with it in my processing. I'm like, "Mm," I'm thinking it through and I've already got a good answer and it's gonna be the best one. Unless Janet tells me a better answer and then that's usually the best one. But before I talk to her, I have the best answer. So how can, let's, let's give you four things and I'll be done. How can we pos- positively influence the people in your life for their good? Here's the first one. Stop gossiping and criticizing other people. Yeah. We have so much gossip, criticism, and negativity and manipulation I've been off social media, believe it or not, for 12 months now, and it's been the blessing of my life. Not something I just needed to do. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just telling you, I've stopped all the BS from people, and it was manipulating my mind and my heart and how I think, and I'm like, I don't wanna be influenced by all that. Because there's so much gossip, and there's so much junk out there, and sometimes you just gotta know what to say no to, and I needed to say no. So here's what I would say to you, stop the gossip and the criticism, be an advocate for positive influence and an opponent for gossip. I'm gonna say that again. Be an advocate for positive influence and an opponent for gossip. If somebody starts popping off, you should be an advocate for positive influence and say, you need to be quiet. That is not right. If someone is with you and they open their mouth and gossip all the time, call them out. That's positive influence. Call them out. Say, I'm sorry, you don't have a right to talk about that like that. I don't need to hear it. Sometimes you got to just, there's some things, you know, I don't want to hear your stuff. If you're going to gossip, you're not going to do it to me, so just shut up. You say, Pastor, I thought you were going to teach on positive Influence. I am. I'm positively influencing myself by telling you to shut up. Don't give me all your gossip and all your stuff. If you you have friends who like to complain and they just keep on complaining, maybe you need some new friends. Stop the negative chatter and choose some new friends. Say, Pastor, that's hard to do. I know because I've done it. I didn't say be mean about it. I didn't say you have to make a scene, but I just was done. Here's the second thing. To positively influence others, compliment people when you can. Everyone wants to feel important. So give people honest compliments and you'll have their attention. Now the key is the word honest. If that dress doesn't look good on her, don't say it looks good on you. If you're a real girlfriend with a girlfriend, say mm, looks like two cats fighting under a sheet. You better get you another one. Or go get you a different one. That's what that's what Nana Jew used to t- used to tell us. That's one of her phrases. She said she. she Y'all say, who's Nana Jew? Nana Jew was a precious godsend to our family when uh, she was the first woman I baptized in this church 35 years ago. And she became a a grandmother to our sons and to our family, and she lived with us for many years, over 15 years she lived in our home. And uh, she looked like Medea. Explains all I need to tell you about her and so when she would walk she said does it look like two cats fighting under a sheet (laughs) Am I right? I mean she was a hoot. She kept us in stitches all the time Nana jute, but don't tell them it looks good if it don't look good. Now you don't have to be mean Be, Be honest, but don't be but because no one likes a fake And there's some people that use too many adjectives when they talk to you. And I'm like, you can't be that nice and not have something up your sleeve. Okay, here's the third one To positively influence others, inspire people. Inspire people. Bring out the best in them. You can't force people by threatening or pushing them, but you can inspire and motivate with friendship and good leadership and say, I'm telling you, I see something in you you may not even see about yourself. And I just encourage you to lean into that. Inspire somebody. That's not manipulation, that is good friendship. That is bringing out the best in them. And then lastly, to positively influence others, have and show a genuine interest in other people. If you want people to be interested in helping you, take a real interest in them. And this alone will make you irresistible when people really know that what they see is what they get with you. And there's no hidden agenda. There's no manipulation. There's no, none of that. It's like, I'm just doing this because I care and this is who I am. And so I end with the statement, never, ever play the game of manipulation because you are sure to lose in the end. Now let me end with this. Jesus came to give you life to the full. Life to the full. And chances are, chances are many of us here are not living that full life yet. Surveys have shown that most of us, even Christians, go our whole life dealing with stuff, trying to live the full life that God has. And I admonish you to keep pressing in and pressing forward. That's what weekend church services are all about. That's what reading your Bible is all about. That's what small groups and right relationships are all about. It's about helping us to deal with our junk. You know, there's stuff in my life sometimes, and I just am thankful I got a couple of friends that I can call and say, man, I'm just, my back's against the wall on something. I just need you to pray with me. I just need you to talk to me a minute. Let let me vent, and then you tell me where I'm messed up. If you don't have somebody like that, if you're the only person who knows your secrets, you're in trouble. Jesus came. Jesus came. To start this relationship that ends up in eternity. And you're going to spend eternity somewhere. Heaven or hell. I don't believe in hell. That's your prerogative. I can tell you this. God didn't make hell. So if it's a good God, he wouldn't send anybody to hell. I couldn't agree with you more. Because he didn't make hell for you. He made hell for Lucifer and the third of the heavenly angels that left and fell with him. That's what he created hell for. You go there. And anybody, though, who doesn't follow Jesus and accept the redemption that Jesus paid for, our redeeming of our sin through his blood on the cross, we accept that, which is the free gift of eternal life so we can live in heaven forever. So I don't know what you've done or how far you think you've gone away from God. I just want you to know as we end today that he knows where you are. He knows who you are. And he died on the cross to give you your life back. And I am certain there's not a problem too big or a decision you've made that he can't handle and that he can't turn around. I'm certain. Now, I'm also certain that we choose paths that God didn't plan for us. It's not our best life. And then he has to navigate, put us in a small group, get us in a church, get us in his word, get us moving toward the destination and the destiny he has for our life. Yes, we jack that up out of disobedience and wrong choices, we do. But the goodness of God is getting us back to life to the full. So no matter what it took to get you here today, Jesus is offering you eternal salvation. So pastor, how do I I get that? The Bible says you just believe in Jesus. If you believe Jesus is the son of God, If you believe that Jesus actually came from heaven, God in flesh, as the Bible describes, and that he died for mankind, you, me, everybody, past, present, future and that his blood, his body's blood on the cross was the payment for sin of humanity. Mine, yours, everybody's. You believe that and you believe that he didn't only die, but on the third day he rose by the power of God back to life again to prove that he was powerful over death, hell, and the grave. And he had the keys of hell and death, the Bible says, meaning he has authority over all of that. He took authority, spiritual authority over hell and death so that we can live. So today, you can decide by accepting Jesus and praying a simple prayer that says, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again, and I want to go to heaven with you. You can be saved. Ever head bow just for a moment, wherever you're watching from. I hope you'll join us in this prayer, and I want to lead you in a simple prayer. And just to know who I'm praying with, you would honor me today. If you'd say, Pastor, that's me. And then and, and before we pray, I just would like for you to raise your hand and say, I, I want to make sure I'm ready to go to heaven. Would you just lift your hand if you want to say, I want that life to the full. I want Jesus in my heart. I want to make sure I'm ready for eternity. Would you just lift your hand up right where you're at? Just lift it high, lift it high. I'll know who I'm praying for today. Thank you for that. Hold it up right where you're at, online or there where you're watching from. We're gonna pray with you. You can let us know. Someone's there to pray with you right now as well. Just hold that hand up. I just wanna make sure I'm ready to go to heaven. Would you lift that hand? Thank you. Just a moment more, anybody else? Anybody else? I just wanna make sure I'm ready for heaven. Thank you. You can put those hands down. Thank you for that. Thank you for honoring me with that. I want us to pray together, all of us across the room. Repeat this. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, and you rose from the dead, and you sit at the right hand of God. And today I surrender my life to you. I want to be in heaven with you and live in eternity with you. So thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me and for saving me. In Jesus' name, I'm saved. Amen and amen. Come on, somebody. Let's clap our hands and welcome, welcome people to the family of God. Come on. Where would I be without you?